cetera, the home of the Coaches Show. We're going to be talking it over with Coach Brad Korn. Aquan Smart is here, so we'll get his thoughts. He had a big day yesterday, and let's welcome in the Red Hawks head coach. How are you, Coach? I'm doing well. A little, little cold and windy, but other than that. Where did this wind come from? I, 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 this well, morning, I feel like I'm back in Kansas and Chicago. Yeah, I got uh, to the radio station early this morning, and uh, it was not windy. And I came out, uh, you know, about 45 minutes ago, and boom, right in the face. Yeah, it's uh, a couple flashbacks to Manhattan, my time spent. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. With the plains there in Kansas, what's the wind situation like in the wintertime? Oh, it's, it's brutal. Uh, it really is. Like a day like today could pop up in April, and then the next day it'll be 90. So it's just that Kansas weather on the Flint Hills. Um, never know what you're going to get out there. So you got to be prepared for everything. All right. Uh, you are a winning basketball team four consecutive times here at uh, home. It's got to make you feel good. You're protecting your home floor, getting a little confidence here. Uh, with some of the opponents that you have played. Uh, you will talk about going to Illinois State on Thursday. Uh, but you beat Lindsey Wilson College 87-59. What were your uh, thoughts? Uh, you played a little sharper, it appeared, in the second half than the first half. Yeah, I think it took us just a little while to get going. We just didn't have that same kind of energy that we normally have. Uh, I tell the guys all the time that um, I, I really enjoy this team. Uh, because they practice so hard and so well. So sometimes we practice harder than it looks like we're playing in the game. And I think we yesterday was kind of an example of that. I think they thought that ah, we'll show up because we've been practicing well and uh, these guys won't play very hard or we'll just everything will go right and we'll just win. And I think that's a little bit human nature. And it's a little bit of the week, finals week, uh, a lot of projects, a lot of clouds. You see it all across. We talked a little bit about it yesterday after the game. You see these scores in college basketball. It's like, well, what happened there? And you just you never know what's going on this time of year just with everybody and their team and injuries and finals. And I think that's the other part that we never really talk about is just kind of the mental stress and anguish that some of the players go through during this time. Uh, so it's good to get that game out of the way and then really watching it back. Uh, always as a coach after the game. I try never to be too emotional after a game, whether it's a win or a loss, because nothing is as bad as it seems or as good as it seems. You know, it's always somewhere in between all of that. So, uh, of course, you're never happy as the coach. You always want it to be perfect. You always want to do better. Uh, but going back and watching it, we did a lot of good things, a lot of correctable things, that if we correct those types of things and understand them as a group, we're going to give ourselves a good chance on Thursday at Illinois State. But then also, uh, to your earlier point, Eric, about playing at home in the Show Me Center to start at home two league games right out the gate at home around the holidays where we have played well, where our guys do seem to have a sense of pride about themselves as it comes to protecting the show-me center. We've had good crowds continuing to filter in. So uh, it's just, again, hopefully we finish off a great month of December. And, and, you know, I really feel and I really like these guys. I like our group. Uh, we keep seems like we take one step forward, one step back as it relates to the roster and the injury bug. Uh, but other than that, feel good about where we're at. I, I, again, I like these guys. I like the way that they approach practice. I like the way how hard they play. Um, and hopefully we can really get some momentum going and, and hit our stride here and protect home court throughout January and February. I think there were uh, several storylines in yesterday's game, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the guy that led you in scoring, rebounding, assists, and steals, Aquan Smart, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but Dylan Branson returned. He missed 10 games with a broken foot. Uh, Branson's uh, line in the game, he gave you 14 and a half minutes. Two points. They were both free throws, two for two from the line. He had four rebounds and four assists, one steal, one technical foul. What were, what were your thoughts on uh, getting Dylan Branson back in there? And, 
and one of those assists was a highlight reel no look under the under the basket that uh, I'm sure you got excited about and that's one of the things I'm sure fans are like yeah that's that's one of the things that he is going to bring to this team. Yeah, and you, you obviously missed that. Just a senior guy's been in the program for four years, knows how to play. Dylan's a ball mover. He's been a selfless guy his whole career. Uh, he's never that guy coming and asking where my shot's coming from and uh, any anything like that. So he just really understands the game. He looked a little s- slow to me uh, yesterday, and rightfully so. You know, you can simulate as much as you want, but even I don't care if it's Lindsey Wilson or Illinois State. Live actions, live action, and so there's a little, little bit of a learning curve there. So he'll continue to progress and get better. He was on a minute restriction yesterday, but um, I think the other thing that Dylan does is he, he helps guys like Quan and, and Josh and freshmen like BJ and Marquez, um, newcomers like TJ. Just to, he's just a calming force out there because he knows how to play, and of course the technical and. But, again, that's one of the beautiful things about Dylan is he plays with that edge. He plays with that toughness. He plays with that physicality, um, which, you, you know, you, you love it. You love to, to toe the line, but you don't want to cross the line. And, um, again, we need that edge from a guy and that leadership that he brings. And so, um, you know, it's great to have him out there. We, we missed him a ton uh, early in the season, obviously. And I think it just helps guys settle down, too, just to know you have – and Quan can talk about it, but just having another guy out there that you know is – older and experienced and because a lot of things in basketball you got to do a lot of things without saying it's just by body language and actions and what you do and dylan is a is tremendous at all that type of stuff so he really helps a lot of guys he helps me as a coach he helps the assistants from a scouting report perspective because he knows exactly what's going on a coach on the floor toughness all that stuff so getting him back to true form of where he was before he got hurt because it was the best at his body and the best that he had moved since he had been here. So getting him back to that, um, and he's motivated to do that, and we're going to need him for lead play. And for those who didn't see the game or were at the game, uh, the technical foul came after a hard foul as he drove uh, toward the right baseline. Uh, two guys went up, and we watched the replay several times on ESPN+. Plus. The officials... Uh, looked at it as well. Uh, they were basketball moves. I think both of the defenders got their hands on the basketball, but it got him in an awkward position where he was off balance and he hit the floor hard. It didn't look like it rose to the level of a flagrant foul. Both guys got their hands on the ball, but you can understand why Dylan Branson might have been uh, you know, a little peeved. They, nobody likes to hit the floor that hard. <laughs> he just missed 10 games, man. He didn't right. want to get hurt. Yeah, it's just, and again, I think it's when you, anytime you go airborne, anything can happen. You, sure. have no, you have no body weight when you're airborne, and so just a little bit of, of getting hit. And, of course, obviously the way he fell, it's like, wait a minute, you know, did I just get cleaned up? Because as a player, it's all immediate reaction sure. of what the result was. So, uh, But, again, the, the fieriness, the competitiveness, I thought it would actually wake us up a little bit. Um, and, again, they weren't dirty plays. Even TJ's play uh, wasn't a dirty play, but they were just playing physical and, and, and thought that that's what they needed to do to give themselves a chance to win the basketball game. Uh, but hopefully it's a message for our guys of understanding no matter who you play, you have to come. There has to be a certain level of physicality and toughness that you got to bring uh, every single night. And, um, again, our guys bring that. I think they understand that we've got to get a little bit better in that area, quite honestly. Uh, and I think once we get to that point, get a little bit better on the weak side defensively, um, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. So uh, it was Bryce Brown that, uh, with the hard foul on Dylan Branson. And then Brown uh, was the guy who, you know, I saw the play several times. He, he was just out of control, and he yeah. was flailing around when, when, when he came down 
with an elbow across the forehead of uh, T.J. Beal. Sometimes when guys are out of control and flailing, they can get called for offensive fouls. That was not the case, and T.J. Beal did not get called for that foul. It was uh, it was Gavin Elkamil uh, in that particular instance. Uh, what is the status on T.J. Beal? Because we know he had to go to the hospital for stitches. Any time you take a blow to the head, concussion protocol could come into play. Do, do we know anything? I know it just happened yesterday. Yeah, he. Uh, I went. I went over to the hospital after the game. He got ended up getting six <laughs> stitches. Six. Yeah, right in there above the, the whatever left eye, uh, down by the nose. So he's a tough kid. He's a great kid. Uh, it stinks for him because who knows long if he'll be out or how long. Uh, he'll take some of those tests today and kind of through the protocol to see if he has a concussion and all that. So of course had a headache and everything else that goes with a six inch or a six stitch gash in your in your forehead. So. Um, we'll see if he's out. Um, not quite sure just yet, so we'll see on that. But, um, yeah, unfortunate play, kind of a basketball play. The kid actually went up to Coach Reynolds afterwards and asked if he was okay, asked if TJ was okay. So nothing nothing malicious, just one of those unfortunate things because TJ's really been coming to his own. Obviously had a great game against Fort Wayne, and uh, when you watch him play, you're just like, oh, okay, I see what this kid can do. And you see him, the versatility, the energy in which he plays is around the rim. He can step out. We can post him. Um, so he does a lot of things for us, and uh, if he's out, it's going to really stink because it sets him back just a little bit, and we're going into the holiday. But uh, but at the same time, you want to make sure your guys are healthy more than anything. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be if he's going to be with family. I don't know if he's uh, if he's going all the way to Canada, but uh, the the Christmas pictures are going to look a little different for TJ this year, unfortunately. Yeah, he's um, he had a pretty good he had a pretty good spirit about him yesterday. He was a little disoriented as he walked off the floor, just a Get hit in the head and all that. There's a lot of blood, uh, a lot of blood that we had to get cleaned up. So, but again, great kid, great young man, uh, great bas- You know, good basketball player is going to become a great basketball player for us. We want to get a Quan Smart on here quickly. He's got to get to the. Uh, he's got to get to a workout. So we want to yep. get him in and out uh, here at the coaches show. But a Quan Smart, uh, you've got to like uh, the stat line he put up for you yesterday: eighteen points, seven rebounds, five assists. And uh, two steals in the game for uh, Aquan Smart. Your thoughts on the evolution of his game yeah. since he kind of got off to a slow start to start the year? Yeah, and I wouldn't even say it was a slow start. I think he almost tried to get off to a too good of a start. You know, he tried to go, tried to do a little too much. You know, you lose your the top five guys: Phil, Chris, Nate, Israel, and Dylan being out. Um, and Quan missed some time last year too, so he's kind of that next guy up. And I, I think he just put way too much pressure on himself earlier in the year. He came up one Sunday, we were off, and he's watching film with Coach Wheeler, and we just said, "Hey, man, I just I just need you to relax and be the best version of you. You know, the best version of a Quan is fine. You don't have to be all these things to all these people. Just be you, and what you are is going to be good enough for us. And so it's a hard thing to do because these guys want to do well. They put in all the time. Uh, the thing I've always appreciated about Aquan and a lot of our guys, even, of course, Dylan Branson, is they, he'll give you his foot. You know, he's battling with some foot things. And here Dylan obviously had a broken foot. is coming back. So these guys will push through some injuries because they want to do well and they play hard. When we get in between those lines, we don't have to wonder if Aquan's going to try and play hard or try to win the game or try to do what's right for Seymour. He's going to do those things. And so I think early on was just putting a little bit too much pressure on himself to perform at some level instead of just kind of letting that game come to him and let him be himself. And so once he's... These last four games, these last six games, whatever it's been, last month, he's really settled into who he is, and that's been good enough, obviously, in the way that he's been able to perform on the floor. So um, the way he approaches practice uh, carries over to the game. And so we, 
yesterday just getting guys going, and uh, I've seen just another, again, the first three weeks of real game action. You know, you've got your practice and all that, but the first three weeks of game action, that's when the rubber meets the road a little bit and figuring out roles and figuring out who's going to step up and lead and what's it, what does your team really look like. And with all the new pieces, uh, really after that first three weeks, he's kind of settled into knowing what's going to help this team win, be successful, not just for himself, but also our group. And um, smart, very high IQ guy, though. That's the thing I think people probably don't understand the most about Aquan. They see the dunk yesterday and his speed, obviously. He leads us in deflections on our team. We keep a play hard chart, which charts offensive rebounds, charges, deflections. So he's active. He obviously has great specs. Uh, but he, his basketball IQ is, is pretty high. Um, you know, So we can go through a walkthrough and say one thing one time, and he picks it up pretty good. And he won 7 of 9 from the free throw line in the game. He has made more free throws than anyone on your team and he got up to a slow start shooting free throws, but now he's getting into the mid-70s. Yeah, and that's a huge thing. We talk about it all the time for our team offensively, but also just individually. You know, I think you look at the great scorers, um, you know, even to our team a year ago, Philip Russell and Chris Harris led us in scoring, but those guys got to the foul line. You know, Chris lived at the foul line in OBC tournament, so that's a huge thing uh, to be able to put pressure, especially a guy like Kwan who's so fast in transition, putting pressure on the defense and getting to the foul line. It really helped helps and opens up the rest of, of your game if you can get to the foul line and you know Quan really came on late last year I forget how he made in a row but uh, he ended up being the technical free throw guy at the end of the year last year uh, at Edwardsville so uh, you know getting to the foul line is a big piece to scoring points and that's the thing it tells you about the aggressiveness that he is playing with right now with as much as he is getting to the free throw line yeah, and aggressiveness under control. I think that's the thing that I've appreciated about him is understanding what wasn't working early and that not continuing to do those things and finding out what's going to have success for you. And um, Straight line drives, getting in transition, coming off of a screen, getting to it. He's got a good pull-up, uh, getting to, to his pull-up and, and making catch-and-shoot threes. So really, he's really understood and accepted what's going to allow him to have success, and he's, and he's doing it. You know, it's one thing to understand. It's another thing to go do it. So when you get those both those things together of understanding it and actually applying it, that's when you have success. So uh, you need it. You need it out of, a, out of your seniors. You know, you've got to have consistency, and they've got to know what's going on and, and be able to perform every game for you. You've got to have a baseline of what you count on every single day uh, out of a senior. And so we've been able to have that here the last six weeks, last – 10 games or whatever it's been so what you're saying is he lives up to his name you say he's got a big iq so he's basketball smart sometimes okay all right well we'll uh, we'll ask him about uh, that when we come back Aquan smart gonna join us when the coaches show returns don't forget red hawks in action thursday at missouri valley conference member illinois state that is a seven o'clock tip-off Aquan smart joins us when we come back to the coaches show at Wings Etc. on SEMO ESPN to head to Bloomington Normal. They'll take on Illinois State University on Thursday at 7 o'clock. The uh, Redbirds are 2-0 and in conference play. They've got 12 teams in the Valley, and only four of them are undefeated. And one of them is Illinois State. They've won four of their last five games. We'll talk about the Redbirds a little bit more in depth with Coach Brad Corn, don't forget with the holidays right around the corner, uh, if you buy $25 in gift cards here at Wings Etc., you get five Wings Bucks to go along with that. So that's a $30 value, great stocking stuffer, uh, and that is certainly, when you give gifts, 
especially for Christmas, you don't know. Uh, everyone's going to smile and say thank you very much, and it might go into the closet. Not going to happen with Wings, etc. gift cards. Uh, people are going to enjoy the terrific menu here at Wings, etc. So keep that in mind uh, if you have not finished up your Christmas shopping. Aquan Smart uh, is our guest here on the Coaches Show. My question for you is, have you ever known another human being with the first name Aquan? Yes, I do know. I have known one, actually. Okay, we need the story. Uh, when I was growing up, it was a kid in my town. He was he had the same name as me. Came up to me one day. He was like, you know what your, you know what my name is? I was like, what's your name? He was like, I got the same name as you. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But uh, he sadly died when he was real young, so it's kind of kind of a sad story. Well, man, I am sorry I brought it up now. Yeah. <laughs> How many different ways have you heard your name pronounced? I've heard Aquin. I've heard Aquan. I've heard. Mm. It's been it's been a lot of different names. It's been Antoine sometimes. <laughs> Antoine. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't know. Uh, what's your middle name? Michael. Okay, so yeah. very normal yeah. there. And uh, did you ever get a story about uh, why your first name turned out to be Aquan? Yes, my cousin's middle name is Aquan. Okay. And it, it was supposed to be his first name, but my mom liked it more, so she just took it. Not bad. Not bad at all. It's good to have a unique name, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, does anyone call you Aquan other than your mother or a family member, or do most people call you Quan? Most people call me Quan. It's a lot of different nicknames I got on the team, but most of it is Quan. So, yeah. Any other nicknames? Uh, coach calls me Quando. Quando. Um, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I get Quanny a lot. My cousins, my little cousins, they call me Quan Quan. Uh, it's a lot of different variations of my name and nickname. All right, that's good stuff. Uh, big game for you yesterday, and I know it's more important for you that it was a big game for your team, uh, but you're really playing some good basketball right now. Is this as well as you have played the last several games uh, in a Red Hawk uniform? I feel like I've been playing a lot better. Um, I feel like my pace has been a lot better. I've been controlling the game a lot better. I just feel like um, everything is coming to me more now. And... You know, when you hear people say, boy, when guys figure it out, especially at the Division One level, the game can slow down for people. Do you feel that way? Has the game slowed down for you at all? And what does that mean for people uh, who the game maybe never slowed down for? Uh, I feel like these past couple of games, the game has slowed down. Um, talking with the coaches, talking with Coach Korn, uh, they talked about my pace a lot and just not forcing it and then, just trying to let what the what the defense gives me take what the defense gives me. So I just feel like uh, everything has been slowing down. And I feel like if when the game slows down, that's when you're your best. Like you're you're very you're really your best when the game is just slowed down. You can control everything you control. And that's kind of an oxymoron too when you talk about the game slowing down because there's nothing about your game that is slow. You're always in fast forward mode, uh, and I'm sure at times they they may say, hey, you might need to. Uh, slow it down just uh, maybe a quarter step but uh tell us about that dunk yesterday <laughs> i made my mind up when i caught the ball at half court i was going to dunk it um when db passed it to me i seen the defenders they were looking the other way so i was like 
Why not? I tried it against uh, Central Arkansas. I missed, but I definitely wasn't going to miss this one. How quickly did you uh, pull up ESPN Plus to, to get a look at the highlight? Or I don't know if it made it to social media or not. Uh, how how many times have you watched the dunk? I haven't watched it on ESPN Plus yet, but I've okay. watched it on my phone a lot. Um, I reposted a lot on, on my Instagram, but... I've definitely watched it a lot of times. I All think right. it's my best dunk. Personally. All right, what were your what was some of the feedback from your teammates after that baby? Uh, some of my teammates they didn't think I was gonna make it. Uh, a couple other my teammates they said you kept going up, and then a couple other my teammates they said they were scared. So a lot of mixed reactions. All right, how far away from the free throw line did you take off? Because I, I I wasn't really watching where your feet were. Uh, but afterwards, uh, Jess, who was doing the game with me, said, man, that kind of reminded me of the Michael Jordan dunk. <laughs> but I knew you weren't at the free throw line. No, I think I was uh, probably a little a step in front of OVC. So not that far, but not close to the free throw line either. Okay, you've seen every dunk so far this season. Stacker had one a couple of games ago that was pretty impressive. Uh, who, who's got the best dunk so far this year with – with a long way to go, we haven't even played a conference game yet. I think I think definitely Braxton when he dunked on uh, uh, the dude from uh, Missouri Baptist. Whenever Braxton dunks, I think is just the bo- the best thing ever because Braxton jumps so high and he has so much athleticism. And I wish he would dunk more. All right, uh, so that is your plea to Braxton Stacker. We need some more rim time. Yes, is what you're saying for sure. Him for sure. All right, tell us about uh, your profini- all of a sudden your proclivity to getting to the free throw line. Uh, when did you really kind of, and it's probably a long time ago, but uh, figure out that, man, you can really elevate your game if you can get to the line because, man, you've really improved as a free throw shooter. Um, I've, when I've talked to my friends and people that watch basketball, they always talk about how against their free throw line is going to open up everything else and just – Get you a rhythm going. So I feel like uh, getting to the free throw line more is just going to open up my game more. It's just going to open up everything else I want to do on the court. So right now, uh, as far as going to the free throw line, you are shooting 73%. Now, when you were at Florida International, 63%. You put 11 percentage points on your average last year. You got to the line 92 times, so you went from 63 at Florida International to 74 as a Red Hawk and then became the technical foul choice for Coach Brad Korn. How much work goes into increasing someone's free throw percentage 11 points? I feel like it's just uh, shooting free throws and just working on your routine a little bit. Uh, You tweak things sometimes. Not everything is always going to be perfect. Uh, I sometimes rush in my free throw, and I just feel like if I slow down and just breathe a little bit, uh, that will really help me. That's really been a big help in my free throw percentage. How mental are free throws? They're very mental. It's the only shot where nobody's defending you. You're by yourself, and it's just you in the basket. So I feel like it's a very mental shot. How about playing on a team that's got two guys that are seven feet tall, David Idana and Mason Handback? How about that? Those guys are, are, are great teammates to have. Uh, they're always battling each other in practice. So I, I really like having them as teammates. How about a Handback? He went into the game yesterday 11 for 13 from the field for the season, and then he goes three for five. So that means he is 14 for 18 from the field 
this season. That that's unbelievable. That's impressive. That's very impressive. Mason has a very nice touch though. Even in practice he always makes makes little nice floaters and nice turnaround shots and Mason has a really nice touch. He had a nice dunk yesterday too. Yes, he did. How how important is it like you say those guys battle each other in practice? How important is battling for playing time in practice? I feel like um if you don't if you're not battling in practice, if you're not trying to attack your teammates, I don't think you're trying to make them better. I feel like um, practice is always going to translate to the game. If you have good practices, they're going to lead to you playing better. They're going to lead to you having more success on the basketball court. So I just feel like the more you attack, the more you go at your teammates, it's just going to make them better. Who's the toughest guy on defense in practice? To go to go against or like yes. uh, maybe Braxton, Braxton for sure. Braxton or, or Evan, because they're, they're very physical. So either one of those two. All right. Rate yourself as a defender in practice. Oh, my defense in practice is probably like an eight or a nine. I like to I like to chirp in practice. I like to be real physical in practice. When we when we're in practice, there's no it's not many fouls called, so I like to I like to rough up my teammates a little bit. All right. Who chirps the most in practice? Oh, me for sure. No doubt about me it. Me for sure. Like, it's no question. All me right. Sure. One, one thing I have noticed, though, now that you've got uh, Dylan Branson back, it, Branson is pretty vocal, yes. isn't he? Yes. Uh, I mean, is yes. he the most vocal guy? I mean, talking about in, in huddles, maybe in practice. I'm not talking about chirping. I'm just talking about being, a, you know, a vocal leader out there. Yes, DB is our most vocal leader on the team. Um He's always he's all he's has he has a very a very very high basketball IQ so he knows a lot of things that are going on on the basketball court more than some of us do so he's a very very vocal leader he just he just always wants us to go hard and just do everything right. How about that no look pass that he had yesterday? Oh yeah, I miss DB. I miss him being on the court. I like that. And how how antsy and squirmy. Was he getting because he could not be out there and playing? That's all he could talk about the last couple of weeks was uh, getting back out there. He he knew it was close. Uh, we all knew it was close, too. We all just missed him on the court, too, and we just felt like uh, him coming back was just huge for, for our team. So uh, what do you remember best about that uh, championship run you guys made last year to get uh, your ring? One thing I remember is the videos every day. Well, you know, one down, three to go, three down, one to go. Uh, that I, That's what I remember the most, but I just, no, that's that's not what I remember the most. What I remember the most is just being around my team, my teammates those four days. Uh, we grew so much closer in those four days. It was just us every day, eating breakfast together, eating lunch together, eating dinner together, stretching together, going to pregame. Everything was just together in those four days, and I just felt like um, that really helped us. And you were battling injuries, so that that had to be at the same time exciting of the run you guys were making, but frustrating that you weren't a hundred percent for the tournament. Yeah, it did suck. I wasn't a hundred percent, but I had so much fun during that run. It was it was the most fun I had playing basketball in a long time. So my foot being hurt was was nothing. I just had so much fun. All right, uh, I've asked everybody else this, or whenever we have someone on the show. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when the three-pointer went in for Tennessee Tech? And uh, then once you were told that, I'm sorry, it's not a three, it's a two, we're going to play a five-minute overtime. Uh, when, the, when, they, when I thought it was a three, I was, 
I was so distraught. I was like, oh, my God, we did all that just to lose like that. And it just it just exemplified what 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 those three games against that team was because every game was something like that. The first game was double overtime. Second game, buzzer beater. And then the third game, and like that was – it just – I knew something crazy was going to happen. But then we got those five minutes, I knew there was no way we were going to lose. So what was it like in the Aquan Smart family uh, – knowing that you're going to the NCAA tournament and uh, the lead-up to playing in the NCAA tournament. That had to be really cool. That was so much fun. Um, doing, every, like, the whole parade, everything that led up to us going to the tournament was so much fun. I really enjoyed that whole little time. All right, you've got one more game here before you get into conference play. It's going to be a tough game uh, Thursday at Illinois State. This is a good ball club you're playing. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they, have a, they have a solid record. Um, but I feel like we're gelling at the right time right now. I feel like uh, we're coming together and we're just playing the right way, and I feel like uh, it's going to be a good game on Thursday. All right. Now, you're from Evanston, Illinois, and for those who don't know where Evanston is, that is Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, how you're a hop and a skip from downtown yes, Chicago, yes. right? Yes, this one street will lead you all the way downtown Chicago. All right. Tell us about uh, Lakeshore Boulevard in Chicago. Lakeshore is a very, very beautiful place to drive at night. Um Lakeshore is probably probably the most busiest place, though, during the holidays. It's awful to drive down. It's All right. Terrible. You heard Coach Korn. Uh, he was talking about how sometimes it could be miserable in Manhattan, Kansas, in the wintertime because of the wind and the cold. He has no clue. <laughs> Manhattan, Kansas is not Chicago. There's a reason. They call it the Windy City. Am I right? Yes. He has a little. He has a little experience. He's from Illinois, so I think he has a little experience with the cold, but not nothing like Chicago. Though Chicago gets bad. We don't even have snow days. Only time we have snow days is probably like negative forty degrees outside, and it gets real cold with the windshield too. I'm telling you, there are places you get uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line. There are three flakes of snow, and they're call everything shut down. They're just shutting the city down. When I was in Maryland, actually, my freshman year, it was a uh, the roads were like a tad bit icy, and they canceled everything that day. And I was like, man, if we're in Chicago, people would still be going to school, and everything would still be going on right now. There wouldn't even be snow plows on the ground or nothing like that. So then you played Florida International, which is South Florida, which is extremely warm. And I bet in the wintertime people are wearing coats, and you're like, "What? Why are you wearing a coat? It's not cold." When people when people will wear like cold sweatsuits and like jeans and a coat, I'm like, "Man, what are y'all doing? It's hot outside." I would want to wear shorts all the time because I never really got to experience that. Winters were always bundled up in snow on the ground for me that was my first winter i could actually have shorts on and have sandals on so it was fun yeah i'm from macomb illinois so i'm about three and a half hours from chicago i know all about chicago winters and had you ever been to florida before and what was it like uh, to go down to the sunshine state there's a reason they call it the sunshine State. oh it's it's either it's sunny or it's raining but the rain lasts for like 30 minutes and it's just sunny again but um my auntie actually went to school at, at the University of Miami, so I went to visit her every year she was down there. Uh, I played basketball there multiple times for, like, AAU and stuff. So I like uh, 
Florida was not it was nothing new. It was always fun. I like Florida a lot. All right. Were you a Chicago Bulls fan growing up? Yes. Derrick Rose is my favorite basketball player. Derrick Rose. Yes. All right. Did you play any other sports? I played football and baseball. I wanted okay. to be a baseball player when I was in third grade. Cubs fan or White Sox fan? Cubs. Yes. All right. <laughs> I like to hear that. And then uh, uh, the Chicago Bears. Have uh, what were what were your thoughts uh, growing up as a Bears fan? Um, I'm a big Bears fan. I'm a huge Bears fan now. My man Noah right there is a Bears fan too. Uh, they played yesterday. They lost sadly, but uh, I think Justin Fields is our quarterback of the future. So you think they'll stay with Fields? I want them to. How ironic is it, though, that you are a f- fan of the Chicago Bears, yet in high school you played for the Niles North Vikings? <laughs> it is funny. It is very funny. Not a Vikings fan, though. All right. Uh, it's going to be 7 o'clock on Thursday. I know you got to run. you got to work out uh, and getting ready for uh, Illinois State on uh, Thursday night. Thanks so much for that. What what, uh, what was on the menu? What did you have for lunch? I got some uh, boneless wings, and I got some loaded tater tots. All right. To go, or did you? Yeah, I got it to go. But you to knew go. you were having a workout. Yeah. You're saving it for later, yes, right? After my workout, it's going to be the perfect time for me to eat. See, that's a veteran move <laughs> right there, Quad. Thanks so much for your time. Thank we you for having it. me. All right, that is Aquan Smart. Appreciate his time, and he and the Red Hawks will be playing at Illinois State on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. We'll talk about the Redbirds and a little bit more about this four-game home winning streak the Red Hawks are on when we come back on the Coaches Show. Don't forget, Red Hawk women tomorrow at the Show Me Center. They start a four-game homestand. They'll take on the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. Uh, they're a pretty good team. Should be a good game tomorrow night at the Show Me Center, 6.30 tip-off. Coach Korn rejoins us on the Coach's Show after this on SEMO ESPN having- for the holidays. And, of course, a week from today is Christmas Day. Hope you got all your Christmas shopping done. And uh, last-minute stocking stuffer, uh, you can get a $25 gift card here from Wings Etc. And when you do, you get $5 in Wings cash. So that is a terrific bargain right before Christmas, and, of course, uh, next week we'll be uh, covering wall-to-wall the Southeast Missourian Christmas basketball tournament at the Show Me Center. We'll have all 26 games right here on SEMO ESPN, as we have for over three decades covering that tournament. We'll have some great basketball next week at the Show Me Center, and that tournament breaks a week from Friday. That's because... The Red Hawks will play a week from Friday against Southern Indiana in their OVC opener. It'll be a doubleheader, women and men, and that'll get conference play underway. Coach Brad Korn rejoins us, and, uh, you know, as far as your team went yesterday, uh, I know you really like the fact, first of all, you had only nine turnovers in a game, but you only had three of them in the second half. You forced 16 turnovers, but more importantly, you got 25 points off of those turnovers that you forced yesterday. Yeah, and I think the one thing that we talked about with our guys is being able to convert in transition. We weren't doing a great job of it early in the season. Uh, so we made some minor tweaks in practice, a couple of drills here and there to, to hammer that home, and our guys have taken to it. And Again, we talk about it in, in our scoring and our offensive flow and forcing tempo. We talked about it earlier in the show, getting to the foul line, uh, transition, and then the third prong for me is always the, the B.O.B.'s and side O.B.'s execution. So, again, all that stuff just helps. And, again, guys like Quan, Rob, Stack, uh, that Quan was talking about, 
Um, even Mason Hamback and David Idata and Josh Early have gotten rim run layups in transition. So continuing to force and put pressure. And, again, I think that's another thing that Adam Larson, he got two threes yesterday. One was off a of play, but another one was in transition. And actually, I think it was a Quan that hit him on the left wing. Uh, and that's how we got to play. That's how Adam's got to get shots. You know, space the floor, gives angles for everybody else. We can't come down and run a play for Adam Larson every single time because he shoots threes. It's like, well, that's great. Everyone takes your plays away. You got to find other ways and use your skills and, and basketball IQ to create other opportunities. So transition has got to be something that uh, when I've gone in, in my scouting and development as a coach, it's like the teams that push the ball and, and score in transition typically end up having success later in the season because, again, it's one of those things that you can't, scout and it's one of the hardest things to practice quite honestly is what are you doing in transition defense uh, so again another area that we can be our team can be very successful and put pressure on the other team and kind of force some tempo and get people to play the way that we want to play and guys that uh, really have the athleticism to help you in that transition game are smart and braxton stacker and it looks like stacker hit a couple of threes yesterday yeah. we know what he can do kind of attacking the rim uh, we know how athletic he is. Hit a couple of threes yesterday. What are you seeing from Braxton Stacker? Just that he actually the probably one of the more. It's always nice to see him shoot threes, but he gets in the gym and he you know he'll get in there and shoot a bunch before and after practice. So um, I think it's just a matter of time. It's I think it's a little bit more technical with him is getting his feet set. Uh, he dances a lot. He moves his feet a lot. Even on defense, he move, He has a lot of movements. And for a guy as athletic and as strong as he is, he probably needs to minimize his movements uh, if that makes any sense so i uh, just see him maybe starting to get a, again another guy that hasn't had a ton of reps uh, up until this point so kind of playing through those mistakes early unfortunately for us and the scores that have, have been but i think it's going to pay huge dividends uh, for us down the line of this season and obviously into the future for him but the, one of the plays was late in the second half he got off of a little high shuffle back screen and uh, took his time on the low block couple dribbles and really extended over the top so there's other ways that he can score other than just dunks and uh, catch and shoot threes being able to score around the rim with his back to the basket as a bigger more athletic guard is also another way that uh, he can help our team and the way that we've kind of designed some of our offensive systems is uh, for a guy to be able to do that and Dylan Branson is another one of those guys that can do that so uh, it was nice to see him do that make threes get to the foul line and score easy twos and that's the recipe for success to be an efficient offensive player i know officially that rob martin and braxton stacker are uh sophomores yeah. but they each played in exactly 12 games they each played exactly very few minutes i mean they just they just didn't get to play right. at murray state and indiana state Going into the season, do, do you kind of consider them freshmen? I mean, you know, with as limited Division One experience as they've had, and have you seen the progression that you were hoping you would see as we get a little deeper into the season from those two specifically? Yeah, you really have seen it. I've really seen it from Rob. You know, of course, was player of the week last week or newcomer of the week last week in the league. I had a great week. Uh, so you really kind of started to see him come along here in a, in a nice stretch. Uh, hopefully this is the beginning of what, Braxton can do. Um, I, I, when it really dawned on me when we, that maybe we're a bit, little bit further back than I thought maybe we would be um, as it relates to those two guys was when we were for the Chattanooga MTE. And one time I looked out there on the court and we're, we're right, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. We cut it to a seven-point game in the second half and I look out on the court and we gave up a three, a miscommunicated three. And, of course, I'm frustrated and you look out there, and it was B.J. freshman, T.J. sophomore, 
Braxton sophomore, Rob sophomore. But to your point, TJ didn't play either last year. He was hurt, so he didn't even play junior college basketball a year ago. So it's essentially freshman, 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 freshman. Yep. And it's like, man, you know, you. And then David Idata might have been the center that was at the time. So another sophomore who's too, truly a freshman and only played, played eleven games. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's maybe you can. You're gonna you're gonna bet on the people that you think that are the right people that have that are program type of people. Uh, we maybe could have took senior portal guys, uh, but we didn't. We decided to bet on those guys because we knew who they were. We knew what they could be, and so you had to suffer through a little bit of that in the front end, uh, to be quite honest. And I'll, I'll ten out of ten times, I'll take guys like that uh, because I know what they're about. I know that the work that they're gonna put in. I know that they care about. Uh, being good guys, being good players, and being good teammates. Uh, but we just had to suffer through a little bit of that in the beginning because, again, you can only simulate game reps through game reps. And those opportunities they didn't get a year ago. But uh, you see it with Rob probably earlier than Bryson just because he's getting a little bit uh, faster with the ball, a little bit more um, true position in, in only one position. It's a little bit harder maybe for Stack on the wing because there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of different pieces that, that go along with that. But hopefully – Last night was the because he did do play the way he played last night, Eric. He played in our close scrimmage against Omaha. He played very similar to that, so he showed it there and he showed it again the other night. And, he, and there's been some flashes. So now, hopefully, that's kind of that icebreaker like we talked about with TJ uh, the other night at Fort Wayne. Hopefully, that's kind of his breakthrough game towards like, all right, I know what I can do, and here's now where I'm going to be, and just to increase that that performance ladder, if you will, each and every time that you play, and, and knowing what you can hang your hat on every single night. And, until you see those things happen for you individually, it's hard to say until you actually go do. And he did that the other night, and hopefully that's now the baseline of what he can be. So this is an Illinois State team uh, that you're playing, Coach, and they are 4-1 and one at home. They have won four uh, of their last five games, including a win uh, over Murray State, who, by the way, I believe is 3-7, and seven, and Red Hawk fans are just broken up about the fact that Murray State is not having – success right now uh in the missouri valley conference but it's interesting with illinois state uh they're only averaging um 66 points per game so this is not a team uh that's scoring a ton uh they are a plus three in terms of rebounding and they're getting to the free throw line about 21 times per game defensively though they're holding opponents to 66 points per game they look like not a, a huge offensive team. Uh, they're only shooting 28% from three, although they've got a couple of good three-point shooters. Uh, but this is not a, a big offensive team. This looks like a really good defensive team. Yeah, just a physical, very physical team. Yeah, it's going to be a great test for us. Uh, physical, I think a lot of times you think of physical, you think maybe just big guys or you think just defensively, uh, which they are a good defensive team. But they're very physical offensive downhill drivers. Uh, very similar to Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be very similar to that. So it's, again, we, we in the Fort Wayne game, we know what didn't do well for us, and that was controlling the ball out front. So, uh, again, they're going to come with a game plan. I'm sure they're going to try to space us out and get downhill and drive. So we've got to be ready for that. And that's why I keep going back to the toughness and the physicality that we have to play with. And, um, you know, it's going to be that's going to be the key is, is keeping them out of the paint on physical physical drives and then blocking out and making trying to make them make enough threes to beat you. And that doesn't mean you give the opponent just open shots, but that means you protect the paint first and then filter out. So uh, that's not going to be any kind of secret or anything going into the game plan. I'm sure they probably have a similar game plan for us. 
so now it's going to be a battle of those two wills, and I think our guys will be ready to go. I think they'll see some things today on film that we can get better at. We're really not that far off, I don't think, from where we can be. But, again, you've got to do it consistently for 40 minutes. We talked a lot about in the Fort Wayne game. Teams like this, games like this, and leagues like this, you can't do it for 30 or 32. It's got to be for 40 minutes. Uh, and we can't have – it can't be for 36 or 37. It's got to be for, for 40 minutes. You don't have to play perfect, uh, but you do have to play – pretty tough physical and consistent and for longer stretches than we have in those other games where the scores haven't gone our way does it help that you're playing a fort wayne team who is so physical and can get into the lane at will before you play illinois state and secondly when you put the game plan together and even if you show video and try to explain how physical and strong a team like fort wayne is they can believe you, but until they experience it, they may not understand, oh, yeah, they are really physical. They are downhill drivers. Does it help that you played a similar team in Fort Wayne before you play Indiana State? You've been on the floor. You saw a team shoot 41 free throws because of their ability to penetrate. Yeah, I think it's, it helps drive home, especially today, tomorrow, and Wednesday practices, uh, drive home because I think our guys, again, have the – the knowledge to know that we, what we didn't do well in the Fort Wayne game is coming again. So if we don't get it corrected, we're going to get the same result. And so I think that it helps drive it home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, practice-wise, uh, as far as knowing exactly what we have to do uh, so we can have success or give, our, give ourselves a chance on the road. Um, the non-con schedule, that's the, the beautiful thing about how you schedule. Scheduling is an art. Um, you know, it's a lot like recruiting. It's uh, one of the top two, three things you do in your program is put your schedule together and get the right kind of recruits in here. Um, you know, we've been snake bitten by the, the non-con this year. Uh, but, again, it's all preparation, you know, for what you face. So Illinois State's going to be another great test. We have Moorhead coming in here in the next game and a half, and that's no disrespect to Southern Indiana because they're very physical, tough, defensive-minded teams. So it's great preparation. Fort Wayne, Illinois State, those are great games for us to get us ready for OVC play as well. So when you put together your kind of uh, scouting report on teams from around the OVC that uh, you're going to be playing, okay, we know they've got this guy back. They've got a transfer in. He's not going to be eligible. Well, suddenly the NCAA loses a temporary restraining order against two-time transfer people, like mm-hmm. Philip Russell just became eligible uh, and down at Texas Arlington. I think he had 28 points or 26, I don't know, he had a really good game in his first game. So all of a sudden, those guys are eligible. Some of those guys are on Ohio Valley Conference rosters. Uh, how much does that change the game plan? And then secondly, what did you think of uh, of the ruling? And at least people that are you know, kind of in the know don't believe the NCAA is going to appeal the call. Yeah, I don't, uh, to me, it's not, I don't really care one way or the other what they decide. It's more so the timing of it all. You know, it's like you made a decision mid-year, and so now we have to treat those people basically like they had an injury and we knew what their return date was. And so I think you kind of go into it like that because there's guys all the time, just like Dylan Branson, for example, for us. Uh, Illinois State is now preparing for Dylan Branson. They knew he was on the team. They knew he was a good player. They knew he was hurt, and now they know that he's eligible or back healthy for their game. So I think you just treat it like an injury. Hey, this guy's been hurt. He's a really good player, but now he's now he's here. Um, and so, again, you give guys credit, give Phil credit for being able to be ready to go when this number was called. Uh, so, obviously, he's been 
doing what he's supposed to do in practice and, and playing well. We know Phil's a, a great player. I do feel, I don't know if feel bad's the right word, Eric, but a guy like Phil who did leave, he was told he wasn't going to be eligible. And I tried, told him when he left, he's like, I don't think you're going to be eligible. Um, and so now he should have been eligible. So he missed 10 games and he missed other opportunities maybe. Um, not that UT Arlington is not a bad situation, uh, but he also didn't get recruited out of the portal like he probably would have if he would have been eligible. Good right point, away. yeah. And so it's like I don't want to say I feel necessarily bad for Phil, but, again, for what he left for and what we couldn't give him, he was told he wasn't going to be able to get it, and now he is. And so if I'm a kid like Phil, it's like I told you all what I want. You know what I mean? And so I think that's the, that's the part that gets messy, and it takes lawsuits and all this other stuff, and it's like we're just trying to play college basketball. Uh, now mid-year stuff and – uh, 14 to, I mean, we're talking about restraining orders for guys to play yeah. college. But like, you know what I mean? It's just it's like, wait a minute, I thought restraining orders was for guys doing bad stuff out here in the world. Um, you know, it's just it's a weird space right now, and I, I don't know how any of the things that they've done. And I, sh- I say they, I should say we, because it's it's not just the NCAA. The institutions put together the NCAA to kind of be the, uh, the I don't want to say ruler, but the, 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 governing, the governing body, body over yeah. all of it. And now we just blame it all on the NCAA, and they haven't done their part either. So there's a lot of blame to go around. At the end of the day, college athletics, college players, and we just we keep piecemealing this thing together, and, and no one really knows what's going on. And it just leaves everybody in this gray area, and now it's an opportunity and a place and a space that I don't know that you ever are able to walk it back. And so now what does that look like going into the future? And what it looks like to me going into the future is you're going to be able to do whatever you want every single year. All right, uh, this will be our, our last uh, coaches show before Christmas. You got all uh, your Christmas shopping done? No. Okay. No. At least you're honest about it. No, most a majority of it, um, but uh, still some some more to go. All right, coach, uh, with a little work to do. And uh, how big would this be to propel you into conference play to go on the road Thursday night and knock off a good Valley team? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's huge. We've we've won uh, kind of some non-con games really ever since I've I've been here, and I think it's that last opportunity. We have another game January 6th at home uh, for the non-con, uh, just the way that the schedule worked out. So uh, this is kind of our last big game uh, on the road right before Christmas uh, to get us ready for league play, and it could be a huge, you know, the non-con didn't go uh, record-wise how we wanted it to, uh, but, boy, this one could go a long way. Uh, not only for saving the non-com, but also for gaining some momentum going into uh, league play. And I feel good about our team. I feel good about the way the, the early schedule of OVC pans out. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity out there for us. Uh, if we get everybody back, get everybody healthy, get everybody clicking, get a couple more guys going on the same page, I think we're kind of one of those dangerous teams. We've been playing our best at the end of the season, uh, again, ever since I've been here. So continue to keep that as a focus and a goal. And to get off to a good start at home, you know, and I think that's the uh, the biggest thing. Moorhead is obviously playing really well. Uh, if you can come out and be two and zero in league play, that's man, that's a that's a huge, huge thing. And the only state can go a long way in giving us that confidence to be able to do that. Thursday night, seven o'clock in Bloomington, normal. Coach, we appreciate the time and uh, happy holidays to uh, you and your family. And uh, we'll see you uh, as we. Head over to Illinois State. Sounds good, Eric. Thank you. All right. That's the Red Hawks head coach. Appreciate him. Appreciate uh, Aquan Smart uh, for his time here today. Rachel Cook, our engineer on site. Uh, Hope you have a wonderful holiday. We'll have a 7 o'clock game on Thursday as the Red Hawks get ready uh, to break for Christmas 
afterwards. Hope you enjoy your holidays as well. We'll be back on the Coach's Show on January 8th, two weeks over in Jackson. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. So long from the Coach's